Well, good morning. Well, that's nice. Good to see you today. My name is Greg Surratt, and I'm the founding pastor here. They let me preach every once in a while, which is kind of nice. Um, I want to. I want to. It really is good to be with you guys. It really is. I love being together on the weekend, and I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an offsite campus. Um, I, I was thinking about the Conway campus. Matt Dawkins is being installed this morning as your new campus pastor, and uh, we're excited about that. Welcome him. Let's do that. His family. And, uh, and then those of you who are at home, uh, we're glad that you're along or uh, somewhere in the world where you're watching. Uh, we are glad also that you are here. Uh, so, so have you ever wondered why there was such a big crowd for Jesus on Palm Sunday? Do you know this is Palm Sunday, right? Wave palm fronds. It's going to get one of those and forgot to pick one up. Maybe one of the ushers can get me a palm frond, if you could, for the next service. Um, so, so Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and there is a huge crowd, biggest crowd that he's ever had. Have you ever wondered why they were there? Why there was such a big crowd? Probably not. It's what preachers think about, you know. <laughs> How many people are here? I mean, hey, Jesus, we had 12 newcomers from Syria. Really? Let's get them in the inside track, you know. Text 320, 320, right there. That's what preachers think about. People don't think that much about it. You know, maybe it was a Friends Day in Jerusalem. Any of you Baptists? Always had a Friends Day? Maybe it was Friends Day. I don't know. Maybe there was just a great Passover band that particular week, and they came to hear the music. Or maybe they were doing the Easter egg hunt early. I don't know. Or maybe it was somewhere where you could actually go in a crowd and not have to wear masks. Is it too early for COVID jokes? Probably is. No, it, it, the people were there because of a resurrection. Not the resurrection, because that hadn't happened yet. It's a week later. But they were there because of a resurrection. Take a look at John chapter 12 and verse 17. It says, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Jesus had, had raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead for four days. Jesus delayed. That's a whole other sermon, and we kind of, if you study the New Testament, you know a little bit about it, but people sent word to him, said, Lazarus is sick, and Jesus told his disciples he's going to die, but he's not He's not going to stay there. And so four days later, so that everybody knew that it was a miracle, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. He actually revived him to mortality. Sad news is Lazarus is going to have to die again. Okay, This isn't the final resurrection. This isn't a resurrection like Jesus to a glorious body. It's reviving him to his previous state. Well, we are in a series that we're calling common ground. This is the last weekend of it. And what, we, what we've been doing is we've been looking at some things that unite us, things that, you know, in the world that is so divided right now, what unites us as Christians? What has united us as Christians for years and years and years, 2,000 years, as a matter of fact? We can argue about things. We don't have to divide about things. We, uh, so uh, uh, down through the years, 
Uh, Christians have used creeds. Anybody familiar with like the Apostles' Creed? How many of you were in a church at some point where you read the Apostles' Creed or one of the Nicene Creeds or one of the others? Okay, a lot of Catholics, a lot of Episcopalians. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity. You're going to love this service. Uh, you're going to be real happy about this. But anyway, there are a lot of creeds. There, uh, there's the, the Apostles' Creed, which we hear a lot about. Even before that one, there was the old Roman Creed. And, uh, but what they did is they talked about common ground. Creeds talked about things that united us. And we sing about creeds today. I, you know, one of my favorite songs that we do is, I believe in God, our Father. I believe in Christ, the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus. Now, the last line of the Nicene Creed, which is the second of the creeds, and we'll talk about it a little bit later probably. The last line of the Nicene Creed says something that all of the creeds have. They just say it in different ways. And it says this, I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. I believe and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. So here's some questions about that. What resurrection is he talking about? Is it like Lazarus or is it like Jesus? When does it happen? What happens to me when I die and why does it matter? So we're gonna take a look at some of these questions and I'm telling you what I'm gonna do is we're gonna take most of the message just as kind of a Bible study and then at the end, real quick at the end, we'll do three reasons that it matters. Three takeaways for you, okay? All right, so the crowds are gone. Palm Sunday is over. The, parades, uh, the, the, the parade has happened. The caterers are getting the Passover dinner ready. Leonardo da Vinci is there to capture the moment in the Lord's Last Supper. And Jesus makes an announcement that just rattles the disciples. Very first thing he says, I'm leaving. I'm going away. I'm moving. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I remember how that feels when that happens. And it, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God uh, and trust also in me. Do you remember what it feels like to lose a friend? Do you remember as a kid, maybe a friend moved away, you know, that you were very close. So I know that happened to my, some of my grandkids uh, you know, one of their several and one family of their best friends moved with Boeing to Seattle. Boeing moves people back and forth from here to Seattle. And, and, uh, and, and it was traumatizing because their friend is gone. I remember um, several years ago, in fact, this week we kind of remembered the 10th year, 10th anniversary of the death of my close friend, Billy Hornsby, who was on staff here. And together we founded uh, the ARC, the church planting organization, and when your best friend dies or your best friend moves away, it's traumatic. And Jesus is announcing both. He says, I'm moving and I'm gonna die. It's really, really confusing uh, to the disciples. And so he says this. He says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Thomas says. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? I'll just bet all the rest of the disciples were glad that Thomas lifted his hand and said that. Because 
You know, you got to have one guy in the crowd who'll just go, I don't know, and you don't know, right? They have no idea what Jesus is talking about because you can't understand what you've never seen. And can you imagine the table talk? Father's house. Where's the father's house? There are many rooms. He's going, this is not right. I gave up everything I had to come and follow him. What's going on with this? Then that week gets even more traumatic. As you know, there's the death uh, on, on Friday and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this just, you know, it's just almost too much to, to handle. And, and then uh, Jesus meets with his disciples for several weeks afterward in a resurrected body that's different. And then on the final climatic day, um, he ascends into heaven and he didn't do it by himself. Here's a whole crowd of people watching him. Around 500 people are watching as Jesus, you know, superpowers and he goes up in, into heaven and they're, they're all kind of looking up there and, uh, and in verse uh, uh, nine of Acts chapter one, says he was taken up in the cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? <laughs> well, it's not that often we see somebody go up like this. And so we're staring. We don't know what's going on. It's like, why, why are you staring? Well, there's a good reason we're staring. This is unusual. CNN would have been there. Fox News would have been there. Everybody would have been there. It's a great event. But they said, why are you staring? They, they said, uh, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, wherever that is, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. They're like, oh, wow. When is that going to happen? First question, when is that going to happen? That afternoon, you know, they're doing the dishes, doing whatever, and they're going, maybe it's today. Maybe it's today. Today goes away, and then it's tomorrow. You know, Jesus could come today. Jesus could come this week. <clears throat> the week passes. Another month passes. Three months pass. Jesus could come. They're watching for him. He can come. We saw him go. He could come anytime. Six months pass. A year pass. The urgency goes away just a little bit. But then something happens that really racks their mind, plays with their brain, because some of their friends start to die and some of their family members. Uh, some of them are martyred by a horrible Roman governor, others just natural causes, but they start, they start to die, and which raises just a whole lot of questions about Jesus said, and the angels said that he's coming back, but now some of us are dying and some of us aren't going to be here when he comes back. And so 35 years later, Paul writes this assurance in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, but there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. When are they going to be raised? When he comes back. But what about my loved one who's already died? This is in response to their questions. Someone may, may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. 
They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah, that's good news. So he says, let's, let's kind of review. The angel said, Jesus is coming back. The question is, when? They're watching for him. Their friends are dying. What about that? Paul comes 35 years later, and he says, here's what happens. It's going to happen at the end of time. Jesus is going to come back, and the resurrection is going to happen. And, uh, and that's when we're going to be uh, tra trans transformed forever. And so 75 years after Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15, the first Christian confession of faith was written just to remind people of what we have in common. What do we believe about this? And it's called the old Roman creed. And we're going to say it together. And you don't say a creed sitting down. So let's stand up. Let's stand up. This isn't the Nicene creed that you did in your Catholic church or the apostles creed in your Episcopal church. It's the first one and they all built on it. Okay. All right. Let's read it together. I believe in God, the father almighty and in Christ Jesus, his only son, our Lord, who was born from this Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, who under Pontius Pilate was crucified and buried on the third day, rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the father, whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the remission of sins, here it is, the resurrection of the flesh and life everlasting. Okay? You can have a seat. So why creeds? A few years later after this creed, there was another one called the Apostles' Creed. Then a few years later after that one, the Nicene Creed, and another creed after that. Why? Well, they wanted to remember what they believed and what they had in common and also, it was, it was because heresies would come. They refuted heresies. We won't take some time to talk about that, but when you look at every creed, there's a reason for the wording that's in there that refutes something that is, is really not correct that was going on. And they were an affirmation of what we hold in common, and they gave hope for the future. Now, that was helpful, but Christians like you and I started asking even more questions about this one. So, what happens to me between the time I die and when my body is resurrected? I mean, Jesus is waiting a while here. Do I just lay in the ground? What happens to me? And uh, in that, uh, we have developed, as a way to understand it, the concept of an intermediate stop on a journey. For example, this past weekend, uh, one of our ARC churches, uh, the previous week, had a death in the family.
And so he called me and he said, could you come to Richmond to preach for me this weekend? I said, sure, I'm, I'm off, I'll, I'll go do it. Now, when I went to the airport, I'm going from Charleston to Richmond. Now, when they asked me, where are you going? What was my answer? What was the truth? Atlanta. Because you don't go anywhere from Charleston. In fact, the rapture will be routed through Atlanta. <laughs> or Charlotte. Okay. But I didn't stay in Atlanta just a little while. I was in Atlanta. Actually, on one leg of it, I was in Atlanta way longer than I wanted to be. Mechanical problems, right? So, so heaven is like that. The, the heaven that we're going to is the, uh, the, the coming together of heaven and earth. We are going to live forever on the earth. As a believer, my ultimate destination is what's called heaven, but it refers to a totally restored earth and heaven coming together. It will be like Adam and Eve lived in and even better. I'm gonna live right here in Mount Pleasant. I will have a second home in Aspen. And yeah, okay, somebody else is gonna do that. Maybe we can get the same plane or maybe our bodies just do that. But no, I believe that our ultimate destination is right here. Just without no seams. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay. Temporary layover, but it's a lot nicer than Atlanta. So where is the temporary layover? What happens before this Jesus comes and it's all put back together? We, we don't know. Where is it? We do know that it's normally invisible to us, somewhere out there, but sometimes God gives humans a peek. Look at Acts chapter seven. It says, but Stephen, he's being stoned, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily toward heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in a place of honor at God's right hand, and he told him, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. So where were they? And where were your loved ones? You know, I don't know. There's all kinds of theories, but those who embrace the string theory of science say that there are 10 unobservable dimensions and an infinite number of imperceptible universes all around us right now. Maybe God's using one of them. I don't know. You know, who knows? It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like an Excel sheet. Have you ever hit a column on an Excel sheet? It's there, but you can't see it, right? And it's possible that that's, that's where God's hanging out with all, all, all his peeps right now. So God might be using one. What do we do while we're waiting on our resurrection, though? What, what actually happens? A lot of questions about that. And so the church early on began to think, and as time went by, the Catholic church came up with a theory that if you have no sin, you go immediately into the presence of Jesus. It's kind of like at death, there's kind of like a sin scanner, like the scanner when you go in the airport. If you don't have any sin, you go immediately in the presence of Jesus. If you have some sin, maybe you have some work to do. You know, Uncle Johnny didn't quite get the whole package. He's going to purgatory for a while. Okay, so, so he goes to purgatory, you pray for him, and ultimately it's worked out. If you reject God completely, you go to hell. Now, do a lot of people go to hell? I, you know, I don't know. I hope not. Here's what I do believe. I do believe that the Spirit of God has war on Satan 
till the very last minute and the very last breath of your loved one. And that's why I don't declare. It's not my job, number one, but I don't declare who's going where. That's God and there will be good reasons for it. Now, the Protestants in the 1500s, John Calvin said, no, here's, here's what happens is there's no purgatory. You go immediately into the presence of Jesus with kind of a spirit body. Our spirit never dies because Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today, I will, you will be with me in paradise. We might learn a little bit about that next week in the resurrection. Martin Luther, on the other hand, who was a reformer, and uh, Seventh-day Adventists, some of you have been raised Seventh-day Adventist, and, and others um, believed in more like a soul sleep. And what happens is when you, when you die, your, your, your body goes in the ground and your soul just sleeps. It's immortal, but it sleeps until the time that Jesus comes and everybody is raised together at the same time uh, to, to be with the Lord forever. Now, that used to really creep me out, thinking about that, until I got my first colonoscopy. I'm just going to be honest with you. So on my first colonoscopy, some of you are saying, thanks for sharing, Greg. But an anesthesiologist who goes to this church said, I'm going to stick you with something here, and you count to, I don't know what she said, you count, I counted to like one and she said, it's going to feel good. And I, man, I went to sleep and it was awesome. It was best sleep I've ever had. Except for it was too short because it seemed like, boom, I'm awake again. And they said, no, that was an hour ago or whatever. So that's possible. That's possible, I suppose. Um, so what's the right one? Here's what's cool. Okay. What we're talking about is common ground, what unites us, right? The good news is you can kind of make up your own adventure on this one. Okay. Uh, the only thing that we have to believe is that there is a resurrection of the dead to life everlasting. God will get her done somehow, and it will be good. Can you tell somebody next to you, that sounds good to me, all right? Sounds good to me, all right? So when will the resurrection be? It's called the day of the Lord. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a Loud command, the voice of the archangels, and with the trumpet call of God. First, all the Christians who have died will rise from their, from their graves. That's called the rapture. And then now, now, now that everybody's together, Christ comes back with all of the church and begins to establish God's kingdom on earth and begins returning things to the way that they could have been in the Garden of Eden. It's awesome. Now, somebody asked me between services, what about suicide? Um, I mean, wouldn't it be better if you have those crazy thoughts of suicide just to go to be with the Lord, get rid of all your problems? Let me tell you what happens with suicide is, is you don't get rid of all of your problems. You just transfer them to somebody else. And, and it's, a, it's a devastating, devastating thing. It is better to trust God and let God work out the timing, okay? It's better to let God work out the timing. So uh, what will my resurrected body be like? It'll be like Jesus. When Jesus resurrected Lazarus, he revived him back to mortal existence, okay? He didn't have a resurrected body. But when God resurrected Jesus, he did not merely revive him back to mortal existence, but transformed him into a glorious and bodily mode of existence. It'll be a glorious body. It will not make noises when you get up and get out of bed in the morning. For kids, it'll have superpowers, 
Jesus was able to walk through doors. He was able to go from one place to another without walking. Amazing, amazing. No reason to believe that we won't be any different. How old will we be? A lot of people have argued that down through the years. A lot of theologians say Jesus was 30-ish, so we'll probably be 30-ish. If, if we could have seen Adam and Eve as they appeared in the garden, it would have taken our breath away. If they could see us now, they probably would be shocked, okay? But our, our, our bodies will be transformed into heavenly bodies, and God will decide what perfect bodies look like, uh, probably not all alike, and we won't have to try to be beautiful and spend a lot of time on making ourselves beautiful. We will be beautiful. And here's a hard one. What about a child that dies? I've gone through that with many families. Debbie and I have talked about the fact that we had miscarriages that I believe went to be with the Lord. What about children in heaven? Isaiah chapter 11 and verse six says, in that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard and the goat will be at peace. Calves and yearlings will be safe among lions. And look at this, a little child will lead them. All cattle will graze among bears. Cubs and calves will lie down together and lions will eat grass as the livestock do and babies will crawl safely among them, even among poisonous snakes. And you can go on, read the rest of it. But it talks about babies in heaven. Why would there be babies in heaven if there's no procreation in heaven, if there's not a need for reproduction? in heaven. Is it possible that children who died will be resurrected in the resurrection at that age and allowed to grow up on a new earth where believing parents would be able to see their kids grow up and have a role in their life? Parents whose hearts were broken experienced the joy of watching them grow. Who knows? Possible. Will there be Starbucks in heaven? important. Yes, no caffeine addictions. Be okay. Here's a big one. Will there be sex in heaven? Guys are holding their breath right now. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be? It's a gift from God. Um, in the context of marriage, God says it's good. If humanity is perfected, why not perfected sex? Let's go to the next question. <laughs> Will we be married in heaven? And if so, to which wife <laughs> or husband? You know, it's interesting. Jesus was asked the very same question. They're trying to trip him up. And he answered the question of, will there be marriage? He said, for when the dead rise, they won't be married. They will be like the angels in heaven. So it doesn't look like there'll be marriage. Sex is for marriage. It doesn't look like sex makes the cut. I'm sorry. But... You say, well, I can't imagine being married to somebody for all those years and then not being married. You know what? Intimacy that that relationship models will be the characteristic trait of heaven. The Bible says we will know and be known. We will be male and female. I believe there will be another way of relating that expresses perfect intimacy. And if God thought up sex, I'm gonna trust him on this one, that he's gonna come up with something good in heaven by which we will we will relate to one another. Will there be pets in heaven? Why not? Just no cats. <laughs> they're, they're, they're demon possessed. All right. Okay. All right. I got, I got two, I got two minutes and I'm going to borrow about three to tell you why it matters. 
All of what we've talked about. Why does it matter? What should I do in light of what I know? Number one, make sure I'm ready. Make sure I'm ready to go. You say, well, doesn't everybody go to heaven? Ah, that's a wonderful thought. But unfortunately, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Why, why, would, why would God want somebody there that didn't want to be there? Okay? Not everybody goes, it says. How do I make sure I'm ready? Let's go back to the Lazarus story. Remember Palm Sunday, just before that, Lazarus gets raised from the dead. But before he got raised from the dead, uh, Mary and Martha, his sisters, are irritated at Jesus because he was late to the party and, and, he, and, he, and he died. And Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And then he asks the most important question in the Bible. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha? I want you to put yourself in there. Do you believe this, Greg? Do you believe this, Kathy? Do you believe this, Daryl? Do you believe this? You got to believe. Make sure you're ready. Number two, let heaven fill your thoughts today. Let heaven fill your thoughts today. One well-known pastor's father lay near death and and the pastor asked, Dad, how do you feel? And the father said, Son, I feel like a little boy on Christmas Eve. He had a, he had a proper perspective. He'd, he'd let heaven fill his thoughts. No wonder Paul said, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right hand in place of honor and power, let heaven fill your thoughts. Let's say that together. Let heaven fill your thoughts. I want you to tell yourself that this time. Let heaven fill my thoughts. When you're stressed out, let heaven fill your thoughts. When you're worried, stop a minute and let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. See, if we really believe this, we wouldn't cling so tightly to this life. And so don't let a day go by without anticipating the new world that Christ is preparing. Will it be today? I don't know. Will it be tomorrow? I don't know. But it's coming. It's coming. I have a sign in my office. Yeah, pastors get stressed too. I have a sign in my office. Nobody else can see it that says, have I thought about heaven today? Because that puts everything in perspective. And here's the third one. Live every day in light of eternity. Live every day in light of eternity. C.T. Studd, the great missionary, said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What lasts? What lasts for eternity? Does your car last for eternity? No, it doesn't even last for a few years. Does your house last for eternity? No, it starts decaying about the time you get it up. Does your trophies, your degrees, the things that you treasure, 
No, they, they don't last for eternity. Somebody said they've never seen, you know, <clears throat> a, uh, a hearse with a U-Haul on the back of it, okay? You leave it all here. Leave it all here. Here's what lasts. Service to the needy. Feeding the hungry. A cup of cold water to the thirsty. Every dollar invested in missions, in legacy, in evangelism, in church planting. Every moment spent caring for children. Matthew 6 and verse 19 says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'll never forget when Billy Hornsby and I were talking about him coming here to come on staff. I told him, I said, Billy, we don't have the kind of money that you're making right now. And, and he lived on a beautiful, I mean, it was acres and acres of family land. He built his dream home. And he said, I want to come. I want to come. I want to help. I said, why would you do that? And he said, because Charlene and I have decided that we're going to live the rest of our lives for treasures in heaven. That marked me. I want to live every day of however long I have for treasures in heaven. Because you need to remember that the most ordinary day in heaven is better than the most perfect day in this life. When you think it doesn't get much better than this, trust me, it does. It does. Would you bow with me for closing prayer? All over this place, in the campuses, the campus pastors are are coming to the front. You're sitting at home in front of a computer or television. Don't let this moment go by. Examine your hearts. Examine yourselves. Spow your heads and hearts. The most important question in life. Let's go back to Lazarus. Let's go back to Palm Sunday. Most important question in life is do you believe? Do you believe? Because the answer to that question determines where you will spend eternity. The answer to that question determines whether you will experience the life that we talk about, that we sing about. And here's what I want to do. Many of us here today need to answer yes to that question. Maybe you never have. Maybe you've never publicly said, you know what? I believe. Or maybe you've just kind of walked away in another direction and you need to say today, I believe. I'm going to count to three. And here in the campuses, when I hit three, if that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me and I, I want to pray with you, Greg, and I, I want to publicly declare that I believe. Okay? One, two, three. Will you just lift your hand? Okay. All right. All over this place. I'm sure the campuses and online also. You can put your hand down. Let me pray with you. I want you to pray with me. Okay. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus Christ so that we could have everlasting eternal life. God, I thank you for all that you have prepared for us that we can't even imagine. And now in this critical moment, 
We are affirming our belief. Would you say with me all across this building and in the campuses, wherever you are, would you say, I believe? Let's say it together. I believe. I believe. God, I believe that there are many who are here and who are watching that earnestly in their hearts are saying, I believe. And I want to follow you. And I want to know you better. We acknowledge that we're sinners, but we know that you are the one that saves sinners. And so we commit ourselves to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.